guys. Welcome to the At The Hive podcast. As usual, this is Jonathan, and I'm joined by Zach. Zach, how are you? Good, Jonathan. Is there anybody else here? Yes, there is someone else here, as a matter of fact. His name is Chase Whitney. You may know him from uh, At The Hive fame. Big guest we got here, somebody on our own site. Uh, Chase, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. What's going on, guys? So, Chase, so I feel so like Chase you're is... on our corner right now. You're you've been doing a lot of writing, really <laughs> nice writing for the site, and now I feel like you're edging in a little bit. I'm working my way up the ladder very slowly. <laughs> he is. So Chase is now our resident draft expert because he poured his heart and soul into his mock draft volume one, um, which was like what 1,800 words of breakdowns for picks one through 32 plus a little bonus pick 57 or 58 or whatever it was yeah i I mean i did want the first round and then the i did the mavericks pick at 31 because that's the natural segue into the hornets at 32 and then the hornets at 56 which is kind of useless to predict and then i have no idea how (laughs) many words it ended up being but it was a lot just just go ahead and put uh some relatively low heralded uh, college prospect that you just like give that opportunity to give them some shine exactly um i wanted to say real quick before we talk about the draft in particular on that um mock draft you did i wanted to say i really appreciate you doing like a genuine mock draft and not using it as a tool to make the hornets get the player you wanted them to get I made sure that I, d- I didn't come off that way because I mean, I there were many scenarios in which I probably could have made my favorite player in the draft class on Yeko Kongwu just fall right to the Hornets, but I kind of just tried to make sure that I didn't do that in order to yeah. not make it a Hornets fan <laughs> mock draft. So I think it worked out. All yeah, right. exactly. I, I like no, I, I really appreciated that because a lot of times when people do these mock drafts, especially when they're like geared towards a specific team it becomes an exercise in like a best case scenario in how you can get the third best player in the draft at the 14th pick yeah like just everyone ahead a, of you a perfect boneheaded decisions yeah make some boneheaded decisions just a perfect storm of people needing not needing what uh the hornets need and all of a sudden they get anthony edwards at the 14th pick yeah well, that would be I'm nice gonna take the commenter side of the at the hive website and ask you why do you hate the charlotte hornets by not getting them a good position in the draft <laughs> and having a good player drop to them that's obviously what's going to happen why did you not mock the hornets with the number one pick because they're obviously going to win the lottery that's yeah. true they i forgot about the frozen envelope thing that they put in early <laughs> james borrego so didn't have them arrange for it <laughs> so i do i do want to talk about before we get into individual prospects and you know general thoughts about the draft uh I said this before the show, and this is just fits so perfectly with the Hornets as an organization, especially since they were reincarnated as the Bobcats. The Hornets have terrible luck just all the time. They make their own bad decisions plenty, and they also it is compounded by the fact that they just can never catch a break. They've never moved up in the lottery. They've only moved down or stayed the same. And then this year, they've been struggling to hang on to the eighth seed for years. They finally just bit the bullet and said, all right, let's tank. We're going to go bottom out and we're going to rebuild this from the ground up. They do that. And for one, they're like getting out tanked because they keep somehow winning these games. They shouldn't win. And this draft class is really bad from top to bottom. And now with all the stuff going on, they're not going to get to do like the combine and the pre-draft interviews and workouts and all that stuff. Just a perfect storm of bad for the Hornets. Yeah. I don't even know if you, if we want to start out with, 
will the draft happen? When will the draft happen? Is is it going to be a, you know, are we going to play out the rest of the season? Do we even know where our draft pick is? The way the world is working right now, you just don't have answers to those things. Yeah, and it's so no idea when it's going to be. I mean, they're going to have to have it at some point. They're not going to just be like, hey, guys, that uh, that declare for the draft already, just tough luck. You have to wait till 2021. But it's probably going to be very condensed. Like it's going to, it might even happen like during, assuming they continue the season at some point in the summer. It, like they might do the draft like during the playoffs or like the day after the playoffs are over. So like there's not going to be this whole big pre-draft process that happens all the time. So not only is this a draft class that's really tough to gauge because half the players in the lottery aren't playing anyway, and then the college season got cut short. Now the Hornets can't even work players out and interview them and get a good feel for them that way. So everybody's just kind of flying blind. But anyway, going in, I want to start. when the Horn- If the Hornets do jump into the top four or get number one, like who is – your number one pick, Chase. Do you agree that is Anthony Edwards like a lot of people or do you think LaMelo Ball is number one? Uh, well, I would probably, if I had to pick, if I was the one sitting in the chair making the decision, I would probably pick LaMelo Ball if the Hornets were to get number one. But I could definitely see them leaning towards Anthony Edwards just because he's much more like fit to slide in next to Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham than LaMelo Ball would be. He's just a much more yeah. of a wing player than a point guard. So I'd probably see them going that direction. You're not concerned at all about LaMelo Balls. Uh, I'm not worried about his dad. His dad seems to be out of the picture in terms of like a helicopter dad thing now. But I am a little worried that he does seem to still have a little bit of a reputation as kind of lackadaisical and uncommitted, especially like defensively and work ethic wise and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely say that that's true, but you could also say that that's true about Anthony Edwards to a degree. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I don't know if you've seen that uh, Mike Schmitz video on ESPN. Where mm-hmm. the where two of them sit the... together? Yeah, I think I started. I don't think I got all the way through it. Yeah, they. I think they actually talk about that at one point. Mike Schmitz is kind of just like being like, "What you know? You aren't always as engaged on defense as you should be, or you kind of just seem to be going through the motions, stuff like that." So, I mean, both of them have that issue in a way, but I think that's kind of stuff irons itself out as players get older, especially when you're 18 yeah. years old and you're. 10,000 times better at basketball than everybody else that you play against. It's kind of hard not to just like go through the motions and just make it a lot easier than it has to be, I guess. Yeah. I don't, I mean, my experience playing, even just like at any level of basketball, uh, when you play against kids and at this point, these are all kids, none of them want to play defense. Yeah. It's not necessarily, it's not not fun. fun. Yeah. What do you say? Um, What do you think about the competition that LaMelo had in Australia versus what he would have had playing in the, playing against top colleges. The competition can't be the same thing. So how can you project LaMelo, or I guess what is the draft world saying about that type of competition um, when he was playing on Australia versus playing with the NCAA? I would, it's not necessarily the same level of competition. I would say that in terms of like worldwide basketball leagues, the best is the NBA. Second is probably the NCA D1, third is EuroLeague, and then the NBL where he played in Australia is probably the fourth best basketball league in the world after those three. So the competition was like pretty solid that he played against. It's not him just like kind of tooling on a bunch of like third division Turkish players or something like that. He, he played against like pretty solid like former NBA players. I don't know if you guys remember Aaron Brooks, but that yeah, was he's the, his teammate, yeah. isn't he? 
Yeah, he was the only like the only other good player on Illawarra, which is where he played. Yeah, and no, Illawarra's ACL, so really bad. Achilles. Yeah, they were terrible. So, and Lamelo was by far their best player. Which, yeah, so like, there might not be as much like natural talent in the NBL as there is in like higher level NCAA basketball, but there are grown men that are experienced. And so that's kind of makes up for any raw talent discrepancy. And I think maybe it makes the adjustment period a little easier. Even if the talent level jumps up, you've, you know, the physicality is not too far off. And yeah, the, the exactly. savvy you're playing against. Um, so are those the kind of the, are Edwards and ball top two, like pretty clear cut. And then there's a drop off like a tier. Or is there anybody else that goes up there? Because that's to me, it's probably those two as well. Yeah, I would say the. I mean, unless the Warriors like stay at one, I could maybe see them throwing James Wiseman in the ring or Okongwu, yeah. because just because they don't really have a center at all. But it would also be very anti Golden Warriors or Golden State Warriors <laughs> thinking to pick a center with the number one pick or any pick that has like yeah. that much value. So I don't think that they would really do that, but. Yeah, I, yeah, I would. I, I would like say tier one is probably Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, James Wiseman, uh, Onyeko Kongo. Yeah. So the Hornets draft like fourth or third or fourth, and uh, Anthony Edwards and Lamelo Ball go one two. You you, you targeting Okongwu that high? Oh, absolutely. Maybe Killian really like Hayes is another guy that I like too for the Hornets. What about if they get what about Denny Abdiva? I kind of like. I kind of like Denny Abdiva. Abdiya. Yeah, Danny, I, I've heard so many people say his name differently. I think it's Fdia, but I I don't really have no idea who's saying it correctly at this point. But I like him too. I watch the broadcasters call him Fdia, so I'm going with Fdia. Okay, perfect. So but, if you're th- if you're thinking that? that the Golden that the Golden State Warriors, who have won championships and are, and are a great team, wouldn't uh, look for a center that high, why would you? want the hornets to do that like so if they're picking third or fourth and you're thinking about a center i mean seven foot guy why is that a good pick for the hornets and not a good pick for the golden state warriors well at one it that would be a little different scenario at one i'd probably want the hornets to take ball or edwards but if they're at three or four and one of wiseman or okongu is available i would probably be fine with them doing that just because they're building block young players are all powerful forwards or basically point guards at this point right. other than Malik's kind of just a combo guard but unless that player that you're going to find can slide in between like PJ and Miles and then Devonte and Terry I'm more than fine with just taking a guy that fills like the one position like that you could actually have a high draft pick start at and play a lot of minutes next year like which is center so yeah, I'm normally team no center like in the first round because it's kind of like the NFL equivalent of a running back. Zach and I've talked about that before, but again, this draft class is so weak that it, there's a point where it's just like, all right, the center is the best player there. You just kind of have to take the good players when you have a chance to take the good players. Yeah, that's another good point is that the draft class isn't very good, and even though that their centers like Onyeko Kongwu and James Wiseman, like they have more potential than a lot of players in the draft that you'd be picking that high. So it's not yeah. necessarily a bad idea yeah. to just swing for him. You can't, yeah, so, so. See, you can't go see a movie. <laughs> They've shut down the NBA courts and the golden state warriors might get the number one pick in the draft. Just crazy. Here. <laughs> what a, what a, yes. <laughs> so, um, 
I guess this kind of transitions into, and this will get some of the players you mentioned. Uh, the Hornets right now are at eight, which it's I don't know what's going on. So that's where we're gonna we're gonna operate under the assumption that the Hornets are picking eighth or thereabouts. Before we talk about the prospects there, I've seen some people suggest that the Hornets try to trade down, and I have no idea how that would work, at least in this particular draft, like without getting future picks and players involved and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'm more than fine with them trading down. I'm definitely more of a like trade down person than trade up. Yeah. Unless you like really have someone that you like or that is falling and you could pick them up for a lesser value than normal. But trading down would definitely be fine with me. I don't I also have no idea how that would work, like what team that they would do that with. The, but... the only team below the teams that below them that have uh multiple picks are the Celtics and the Mavericks who coincidentally like the Celtics would be the closest uh partner 26th and I don't think 17th 26th and 30th and I don't and even in this draft I don't think getting an extra pick in the 20s is worth dropping like as much as 10 spots in the draft out of the lottery completely so I don't see how that's a feasible option in this particular case if it was like the Hornets were picking 10th and the Celtics were picking like 14th and I'd be all for it. But that to me, that's too far of a drop and I don't know what else, where else that would make sense. Yeah. Eight to 17 is quite a significant drop off, especially in this draft class, even though there's not as much like separation as normal, you could still get like a, like a James Wiseman, Okongwu, like Isaac Okoro at eight. And then if you drop all the way down to 17, I mean, I'm pretty sure I had the Celtics picking Aaron Nesmith at 17 in my mock draft. So that's a yeah. significant drop off in like quality of player that you're getting right there. Even but though Aaron is pretty good, he's good, but he's like a one trick pony, right? It's like a yeah, he's an absolute shooter. sniper. But other than that's, that, that's that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the so players, you guys are both that. calling this draft a, a weak draft, and I guess for people who are, so so for people who don't understand, tell me why. Does that mean that there's more variability in like if you pick in the eighth or ninth spot that you might get a third or fourth value? It's just like the 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 quality. So, for example, last year we had Zion, Ja, and RJ, like top three. And all of them, to, you could make the case that they were like superstar potential type players. And then after that, there were like 10 players that it's like, I, you know, you could see a path to them either being like an all-star or being, you know, like a key contributor to a really good team. And, they're, you know, they were like very clear-cut strengths and weaknesses. Um, at the top of the first round and the second round, there's a bunch of like talented high school recruits that didn't paint out in college, but you know, there's still like an enticing amount of talent there, or there's four year college players that were really distinguished. Um, this draft has none of that. So like the top of the draft, every single prospect has really glaring flaws that are very scary um, that could completely undermine their entire career. And then the second round is just a bunch of like nobodies. Just gotcha. like there's no like there's nobody that's like, oh, I remember when that guy was like a top 10 recruit coming out of high school and he just didn't work in the college game. There's no like there's like two or three like longtime standouts that are uh, you can look better available. But for the most part, it's just kind of like, I guess this guy's fine. And I, I, I would also say that, that like, yeah, I, I would also say that like if, if going with Anthony Edwards is like the presumptive number one. Like last year, he mm-hmm. probably would have gone like eight or twelve, and next year as well, he would probably go between like eight and twelve or something like that. Yeah. Like he's a he's obviously exactly. still good and could be 
really good. Like he has potential to be like a really good pull up shooter and he has all of the physical tools to be a really good defender, but whether or not he actually lives up to that is much more of a risky bet than number one picks in the past. So definitely not yeah, he's, as high pedigree as normal. Yeah. So like, like last year, Anthony Edwards is kind of like a comparable prospect in terms of like quality of players like Kobe white or yeah, I would agree with that. Kobe like White like ended that. up having a good rookie season, though. Kobe but would White you have picked points. Kobe White number one? No, no, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of where, where this draft is at. So if we assume the Hornets um, pick in that middle lottery area, I know for you, Chase, Okongwu's the, the guy, right? Like, if he's there, you run to the podium, you hand that card to Adam Silver as uh, as fast as you can write his name down i, I mean i i'll do it personally like i'll drive down from maine <laughs> i'll walk up there hand it to him personally nice gold envelope but i mean as, assuming that like some other player like killian hayes or denny Avdia or somebody doesn't fall to eight that is obviously like a better fit and pick than okongwu i'm definitely into that he's just my favorite player to yeah. watch in the draft as well he's just so good at, at defense <laughs> Yes, he's very he's very natural on that end. Like he's very smooth and he's very he just kind of seems to be like a half step ahead of everything. He's always in the right place from the little bits that I've watched him. Yeah, he's like, he, yeah. smooth is a good word to describe it. And it's very hard to be like a smooth defender, but he just makes everything look so easy, even though it's extremely mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah, and then he's not like a nothing on offense either. Like it's not like a biz situation on the offensive end. Like he can catch and he can finish and. Little, yeah, he little, has great he has great touch around the rim. Little potential is with a jump shot. Yeah, no, yeah. The, the people, people will go no to three point shot at all, right? Am I wrong about that? No, well, no, he, he does it right now for a while. Yeah, he's one for four at USC last year. So twenty eight, twenty five percent sounds a lot better than one for four. So I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> it does. Twenty five percent sounds like the, something you can build off of. Exactly. One for four does it. <laughs> The way that you describe him, you know, an undersized center sounds like a Draymond, but he doesn't have. I know Draymond kind of developed his three-point shot. So you like this guy because of his potential on the defensive side? Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. The he's, Hornets' rim protection basic... is terrible, so he yeah. would definitely yeah, help a lot sure. with that. And then he's got the. He's not like your Rudy Gobert type rim protector where you have to drop him in pick and roll coverage and he can't come out on the perimeter. Like he's got really good feet. Like he's, he's switchable and nimble enough to kind of cover ground and kind of do whatever you need him to do defensively. Well, like I said, being a vertical threat on offense. So yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on the, uh, a Congo train with you, uh, chase. Um, board. <laughs> I also like, um, Let's see. I want to talk. Let's talk about the people we don't like there first. There's two players in particular, three players, um, two and a half that I don't want that I see in that area all the time. One of them is mocked to the Hornets a lot, and I think it's lazy because he wants he goes to UNC, went to UNC. <laughs> Cole Anthony. I don't. One, he's a point guard, and he's a point guard, and he doesn't do point guard things well. And I don't like Cole Anthony very much as a prospect. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that he's fit to be like a full-time point guard in the NBA either. I think that like mm-hmm. if you were just throwing picks like out the window, his like perfect fit would be like if the Thunder were to get rid of Chris Paul and him to play with 
Shea Gilgis Alexander because he really kind of needs yeah. a shooting guard that's a better playmaker than he is, or else, or just like mm-hmm. a, another player on the floor, I guess that's a better player that playmaker than he is, or else your offense is going to have a lot of you know, isolation to watch jump shots. Remember when we drafted Shea Gilders Alexander and then let the walk? Nope. That? I just nope. I completely f- nope. I don't remember, remember that. All of that. That never happened. Never happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but like I haven't, I didn't watch a lot of UNC games from start to finish. But whenever I would watch him play, it was like, sorry about the background noise. Um, whenever I would watch him play, it was just like, it was like the Cole Anthony show, but he wasn't very good at making it the Cole Anthony show. And I know UNC was bad. But there are plenty of prospects on bad teams that, you know, can still show themselves as a good player. And he was, to me, I just saw like an inefficient chucker that was just like looking to get shots up. And he would, you know, that was kind of like his go-to. Which is like, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to shoot unless I can't find it. And then, I'll, and then I'll let somebody else try. Yeah, I mean, he, there was a point in the year, like early on in the season before he got hurt. I'm pretty sure he was only shooting like 40 something percent at the rim which is not good mm. for a point guard like at all. So uh, he, he's just not, he's not a good finisher. He doesn't have as much like burst or speed to get around people yeah. as he looked like he did in high school, I guess. But uh, his three point <laughs> shooting is still like going to be pretty good. So I think he'll be all right, but he definitely wouldn't be a good fit for the Hornets. Not only because of his play style, but he's also the same type of p- position and player as like, Devante and Terry and Malik Monk. So, yeah, that, that I've never very, understood why. To me, I see he, the Hornets. because UNC and Michael Jordan and Mitch Kupchak well, and you know, yeah, that stuff. that's a good point. <laughs> but um, no, to me, he's like I see a lot of overlap in his skill set with Devontae Graham in terms of like their offense is going to primarily, at least out of the gate, primarily comes from three pointers. And jump shots because Devontae Graham has the same issues. He's not a good finisher around the rim. But Devontae makes up for it by being a very, very good passer and having very, very good vision. Right now, Anthony doesn't have that as part of his game. He kind of seems to me like a bench gunner, which is very useful and teams need that. But I don't think it makes sense for the Hornets, especially given they already have point guard pretty much. Point guard's okay for right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, The other one, I want to hear Zach's opinion on this. and I know you like him, and I'm I like him, but I'm scared because of PTSD. And I think you know who I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Um, his scouting report is the exact same as Michael K. Gilchrist coming out of college. Well, I'm sorry, I, I blanked Zach, on the name. What was the name? Isaac Okoro. All All I had to hear was Michael K. Gilchrist. <laughs> I don't I don't know this kid from Adam. But if he plays anything like MKG, he can't put the the ball in the basket. That's the kind yes. of comments you pay me for. <laughs> so, so, and I'll let Chase convince me. And I, I see the appeal, but it's so hard to like sell myself on him because like I'm looking at ESPN, which ESPN's really good with Draft Express guys with Mike Schmitz and Jonathan Gavoni. Mike Schmitz has him. Uh, physical tools are great, great defender. He has flashes as a ball handler and passer, and he's good at finishing at the rim. He works hard. He rebounds. Those are his strengths. Weaknesses, he can't score, and he can't shoot. That sounds like MKG. To Zach, who doesn't know who he is as a prospect, that sounds like MKG coming out of college, doesn't it? 
I would definitely say that that sounds <laughs> like pretty much identical to Michael Kidd Gilchrist coming out of college, especially the uh, the good defender, no shooting. But I would say that his, yeah, and like the I would like say the his playmaking is hint like, of playmaking. Exactly. I was just gonna say it's more. I would say it's more than a hint. Like I'd say he's just a pretty good like playmaker. He, I mean, he, he mm-hmm. uh, the physical tools he can get by pretty much at the college level. He can get by pretty much anybody. And he has yeah. very good vision. He can find the guy like an opposite corner on like a skip pass. He makes he's a very good bounce passer. And I mean, he's he's definitely a really good playmaker off the wing. And especially if you were to use him as like a small ball forward or center, that becomes even more of an advantage, I think. But your the shooting and scoring is definitely going to be tough. There's a tweet from a noted draft Twitter member, Jackson Frank, that says, Isaac Okoro at the rim, 69.8%. <laughs> Isaac Okoro anywhere else, 25.3%. So that's yeah. not good. No, and I bad. Yeah, and he shot a little better from three the last couple weeks of the season. I can't I don't know the exact number, but it was it wasn't good, but it was in like the low thirties. Like it was something where you looked like you could build off of it, and his mechanics look mostly okay. He's kind of it's a little bit low i think like he kind of pushes it out a little bit when he shoots but it's it's not broken he didn't have like the hitch and twist and stuff like mkg did but still the you know on the surface level comparisons it's it's you could understand i'm sure like if he gets drafted by the hornets everybody's going to be like oh we just drafted another mkg is gonna be a bust and all that stuff which i know you can't draft based on fan perception but uh that would be the reaction for sure so is Uh, is there a three-point shooter in the top 10 projected right now is there somebody who is a three-point specialist or that you even trust with you know 34 percent from three uh, i mean i would definitely maybe? yeah i would say Halliburton is the one guy he i wouldn't even say he's more like a specialist necessarily but he's probably the best shooter of yeah. the like presumptive top 10 prospects and he's got the ugliest shot of them probably except for maybe yeah <laughs> yeah i mean his uh, tyrese Halliburton's shot is ridiculous i don't know how it works and a lot some people have questions about whether or not he's able to get it off consistently in the nba because it's kind of slow and it isn't it's not like a picturesque like above your forehead like high release or anything like that so with more athletic players than what he's playing against on a nightly basis at iowa state it may not be as effective and he's only a spot-up shooter as well he can't shoot like pull-ups really at all or and he's not even really that great off of like fast movement threes it's mostly just catch shoot let it go but he yeah, uh, he's definitely still. the one the one best shooter out of the top 10 prospects i would say is this where i speak up for the commenters again and say the name obi Toppin? Uh, he yeah i was <laughs> well, going to say he might be up he can shoot threes. Okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so obi Toppin, i did want to no he's not bad at shooting obi Toppin is um interesting um, I think he's one, he's being extremely overrated because of the dearth of talent in college basketball this year, you know, kind of tying hand in hand with the draft being not very good. Um, he's a good player. I have no idea. He has, he makes zero sense for the Hornets cause he's completely redundant with their last two lottery picks. And I don't really, it, it's, he's a 22 year old sophomore and I don't know what in his game like stands out to me as like, that's where he's going to be a difference maker. What do you think yeah, about I Chase? Agree. I it's, a lot of people point out like the athleticism, but he's he stands out as an athlete in college. I don't think mm-hmm. it'll be quite as much in the NBA. Like he's not like Zion, where 
he's just so much more no. athletic than everybody at all times, like no matter what like level of basketball he's playing at. I think that'll definitely tone itself down a little bit in the NBA. And he's also not super mo- like mobile on defense, especially. He doesn't like move his feet very mm-hmm. well. He's mostly more of like a get the ball on the fast on fast break or run the lane and just run straight and then dunk the ball and break the backboard. Here's the here, not this is gonna be kind of insulting, but he's kind of he's kind of Cody Zeller athletic, where if he's in space and he gets a running start, he can jump really high. But That's like true, you said, actually. Chase, like he's not gonna be going side to side and like he's not like super springy from a standstill or like like if you watch him getting like his buckets that he gets off his own creation are him like throwing his shoulder into people and throwing up these little bunny hooks. Like he's not overpowering people or like rising up for dunks and traffic and stuff. He's just kind of flipping the ball in over people's heads. Yeah, his uh his post move that is that I think is actually gonna like translate to the NBA is his drop step. He's pretty good at that, but you're right about it. he just kind of throws his shoulder into the guy behind him and throws up a nice soft he has good he has good touch around the rim and stuff like that he does have very good touch yeah it's just the the physical capabilities won't like they won't stand out as much in the nba though he'll still be good and athletic and stuff like that but he's not going to be like some monster that can't be stopped it's also worth noting that in general um older college prospects that go in the lottery because they're supposed to be nba ready don't usually work out that well Frank Kaminsky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Frank Kaminsky is a good example. I All know right, they're not the right. same type I had of player. A call but... fair. Everything's fine. I got tested. We're good. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it, it, no. But it's it's true though. Like player, like the the you know conventional wisdom says that old players are going to be ready to go, and they usually aren't any more ready than the younger guys. They're just not as good because they're benefiting from experience as opposed to having the talent that the younger guys do. Yeah. And their bodies are fully developed. Whereas someone might be 18 and still strong and fast and all that, but they have much more room yeah. to grow. Yeah. And that's where again with top and his, the concerns about his physicality and his athletic, like his lateral agility and stuff. Like he's, he's a sophomore, but he's 22. Like he's older than guys like Udoka Azubuki and Marcus Howard, who are four years seniors. And they're a year and a half younger than him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he'll be 23 when the season starts too. Like, yeah, he'll be like yeah, 22 and a half. Are very close to it. Draft day. Yeah, yeah. So enough negativity. We're gonna hit some positives real quick, and then we'll move to the second round. Um, let's see who else we not talked about. Tyrese Halliburton. We talked about a little bit. Killian Hayes was another name that you mentioned, kind of in passing, in that like top four range. I like Killian Hayes a lot. I like Killian Hayes too. I actually just got him on my. Uh, hornets 2k rebuild and he's very good scores a oh, lot of points nice but yeah i mean I, in real <laughs> life we know those, he'll actually be good too yeah 2k is the ultimate predictor of what happens in real life in the nba so especially when you're using the one. like user created draft classes um yeah exactly that you, that you that you tweaked a little bit to match what you think they're actually gonna gonna do yeah i forgot to mention i made him a 99 overall and 610 <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of at home research that we do here at the hive not exposing ourselves really just diving deep into 2k exactly but i mean i really do think he'd be good in for the hornets in real life as well not only on video games. yeah he kind of you know but he fits as like an off guard next to Devontae graham and then he could kind of be more of a point guard next to terry razier who's terry razier is kind of 
seems to thrive more as a as an off guard and with Devontae Graham on the floor with him and Killian Hayes can kind of uh split point guard duties with him and has the size to play the two guard. Yeah, exactly. Like Killian Hayes could defend the bigger guard on the other team while Devontae mm-hmm. plays point guard or Malik plays point guard or Terry. And then he's also really good in the pick and roll. Like he he's oh yeah like very, very good in the for like eighteen year old in the Euroleague. But his so he could basically just run that and that would allow Devontae to get a lot more of the looks off ball and like off of screens and stuff like that that he really needs to be able to be effective because we saw after like a month that teams kind of adjusted to him shooting pull up threes mm-hmm. over a pick and roll. So he definitely needs more yeah. it's like somebody else that can handle the ball and get him shots rather than him having to create it for himself and for everybody else. How is he now uh, here's at the three line? Good. That's yeah, very yeah. about the three point shooting. <laughs> yeah, he she shot uh I think it was twenty nine point one percent from three this season with uh ratio farm Ulm with his uh German team. But it's that's a bad percentage, but he his shot doesn't look bad. It's like kind of like a Coro, except he has a lot more promise in terms of how his shooting is going to project. But it doesn't look bad, even though he shot a lot a bad percentage. And he's also an eighty eight percent free throw shooter. Yes, exactly. He's he's good at shooting like pull up jumpers and mid range and free throws. So there's it's not as much of like he's just bad at shooting threes. I think that he didn't necessarily take the best three point shots and didn't get good looks all the time necessarily. And he wasn't playing like full minute. Like if he played in college or something like that, he would have got way more volume, probably would have shot a little bit better percentage than on a yearly team where he's not the best player like at all. Him and Evdia. Sure. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Ahead. I was going to say, him and Evdia, because Evdia has a, kind of the same thing as percentages. They're, great. they're better shooters than their percentages, say, because of things like their shot selection and they're young, so they're inconsistent. Like, they, they're, the foundation is there for them to become passable to good shooters. They so just the didn't play make the style shots of the at, team and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, they're 18 years old. Like, it, it's not often for 18 and 19 year olds to be knockdown shooters. They're still getting better at basketball yeah well, i think shot you guys selection agree that we to need, too. you guys agree Good. that we still need three-point shooting on this team oh I yeah mean, yeah Devante, i don't remember what pj washington ended the season i think it was like he, 38 uh, 37 well. yeah he shot really well from three point but besides those two players you know we still need three-point shots on this team yeah everybody needs more three-point shooting and i think there's there's nobody that stands out at the top that's like knockdown shooter but they're most of them like except yeah most of them have something that there that will make you think like he can be a good shooter or a good enough shooter in time yeah Um, that's i don't think anybody at the top of the draft is ever going to shoot more than 40 percent from three i would say no can i tell you my one gripe with killian hayes that makes no difference at all but it's just it bothers me when i watch him absolutely he almost travels every time he picks up his dribble. You know, I've never noticed that, but now that I'm like thinking about it, I that's yeah, I think you're kind of right. He, he has like that. a he like he lifts like, his foot like halfway off the ground almost. Mm-hmm. If he'll do like a little gather as he's picking up his dribble and then take two steps or then he'll jump stop or like he'll kind of shuffle into like a 
pull up jump shot. Like he, every time I watch it, I'm like, ooh, they could have called that a travel. Like watching highlights and stuff, it's like, ooh, that could have been a travel. And I just think that like every time he does something, and I mean, if he gets away with it, it's fine. I mean, that's what James Harden makes a living off of. But it's just like he's like teetering on what like it, your your grandfather, your 70 year old grandfather, uncle, father, whatever, watching him would be like, oh, I remember when that would have been a travel back in my day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll have to like keep an eye out on that the next time I watch him because I feel like I definitely know what you're talking about just thinking about it. Yeah. But I've never noticed it in real time before. So, yeah, to keep an eye out on that when next time you watch. All right. Take a break real quick. And then we're going to talk about the second round picks real quick. And then we'll be done. Welcome back to the At The Hive podcast. It's time to talk about the second round of the draft that's going to happen. Who knows when? Uh, the Hornets pick 30, or right now, are set to pick 32nd and 56th. Assume, and the 56th pick is from the Celtics, the 32nd pick is from the Cavs. Um, Chase is still here. Chase, who is your dream get, realistic dream get at 32? Well, if the Hornets go big with their lottery pick like James Wiseman or Okongwu or God forbid, Obi Toppin or something like that. <laughs> um, God forbid. I would really like to see them pick a backup point guard. I don't think a lot of people necessarily think of that as like a need for the Hornets, but mm-hmm. combined with Malik being indefinitely suspended and that being on the absolute bottom of the NBA's list of problems to solve right now, and Devonte <laughs> having it's to play. Thing we don't talk about. It's another thing we don't talk about, Chase. <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> but um, I don't think Devonte is capable of playing like all those minutes again, like every single year. Like he, I mean, he missed like what two games I think before the season was suspended, mm-hmm. and it was only yeah. because James Borrego was like, "I really, really need to get this guy a break." So I think having someone that in game can kind of come in and not really be that much of a drop off in terms of setting the table for offense, like for other players on offense. So I like Devon Dotson a lot as a point guard out of Kansas, kind of like Devante to back him up. He's just a very good guard defender. He would again, be a guy that can come in and run the offense and not be too much of a playmaking drop off. And he's not a great shooter or anything like that, but he can get to the rim. He can get to the free throw line. He shoots a good percentage from the free throw line too. And I mean, I just think that he'd be a good steady like backup point guard for the Hornets to take at 32. And I think the value is pretty good with that as well. Cause he could be a guy that goes on the end of the first round, but once you get later in the first round, it's kind of difficult to predict what's going to happen this year. Cause there are a lot of teams that could be moving around with like trades or stuff like that. And teams like the Lakers and Raptors and the Celtics and all that, you don't necessarily know who they're going to pick in a draft that doesn't have that many clearly helpful and productive players in the future. So, but yeah, if, if, if he's available, Devon Dotson, probably my number one choice for the and, Hornets. And he's from Charlotte. Exactly. Providence day. My, my brother actually worked with him a little bit with uh strength and conditioning and stuff. That's pretty he's sweet. A very good player. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I asked him about him when he was going to Canada because he's, you know, he's like, oh, Bill Self was here today for uh, Casually. Dotson. He's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's no, like, yeah, deal. and he, no, <laughs> but he's like kind of the same thing you said, and that was back in high school where it's like he's not like super, you know, he's not going to blow you away with his athleticism or anything, but he just like knows how to play basketball. 
Yeah, He's and I the Hornets don't have any player. guard defenders either, which is well, I guess Terry no. kind of counts, but that him him being someone that you can throw on an opposing point guard and be mm. like be confident that he can stop them or at least slow them down is definitely something helpful that they don't really have yet. Yeah, and I like I like Dotson too. And then if the Hornets don't go big, if they take like a wing or a guard at the top, there are a couple centers or bigs that I really like and both of them the two main ones both seem to be kind of ahead of where the hornets pick depending on where you look um i think you have both of them going before the hornets pick uh jalen smith out of maryland and um otoru out of minnesota daniel otoru out of minnesota yeah those are actually the two guys that i like most for the hornets as well in that range for bigs anyway yeah because i yeah i would prefer like in my dream scenario, I want the Hornets to get a in an ideal draft. I want them to get a wing or a guard first because those players tend to be more important in today's NBA. And then Jalen Smith and Daniel Otoru are kind of exactly what kind of fit perfectly like 2020 NBA basketball at center. Like they, I don't, I think Otoru, I don't think is the defender that Jalen Smith is, but they both can make threes. They both can finish the ball inside. They both are re- relatively mobile on the perimeter. Like they're somewhat switchable to an extent. Like they're not ground bound anchor like under the basket type centers. Yeah, I would agree. I if the Hornets go would get like Anthony Edwards or by some stroke of luck or another wing in the first round, I would definitely be fine with Oturu or Jalen Smith if they happen to be there. I, I especially like Jalen Smith, but I don't necessarily think he's going to last until 32. But yeah, his his combination or of like pipe dream, but... Yeah, exactly. His combination of shot blocking and three-point shooting though is something that I think would fit extremely well next to PJ Washington, who's not necessarily a shot blocker, but both of those guys being it, you could be, you could play like a five out offense almost with them two on the floor. And then the three other guards and wings that you'd be throwing out there. That would be very interesting to see. I think the goal of every NBA team or most NBA teams right now, and I think Charlotte definitely fits in this bill is to play a five out offense without sacrificing interior defense and getting players like Oturo or especially Jalen Smith, if he happens to fall that far are like exactly what you need to make that a reality. Yeah, exactly. And I also think Yudoka Azubuki would be another decent big man. Mm-hmm. If the Hornets yeah. went in that direction at 32, he had the shooting, but yeah, yeah, exactly. He's definitely like just strictly an interior player. He, I don't, he can't really even, he can kind of take mid range jump shots, but it's not, that's not something that, NBA teams are really like scouting for for big men anyway the ability to knock down the the coveted mid-range jump shot but he would still be pretty good for interior <laughs> defense and he would help with the rebounding a lot with, and the Hornets are very bad at rebounding and rim protection he helps with both of those things doesn't really help with that much else but at 32 <laughs> only those things something. you're trying to pick someone who's good at a special special skill exactly as long as they He's- help that's all right I mean, you're in the second round of, a, of of this draft. If you get any sort of reliable contributor, you've done a really good job. Um, exactly. I'm I'm not gonna go through like I don't want to go through any more in depth about like who's going where and stuff. Who are a couple other people in the second round, either at 32 or wherever in the 50s that you kind of like? I know you had Elijah Hughes in the. Uh, in your mock draft that you wrote for the Hornets is like a, a, a wing. Yeah. I mean, if he, he'll, he might be available at 56, his draft range is very wide. He just declared 
a couple days ago at uh, Syracuse after he led the ACC in scoring 19 points a game. But he's like a really good isolation scorer. Like just give him the ball. He can get you a bucket from any level on the floor. He can shoot threes. He can get to the rim and get to the line. And he has a very good pull-up game from like the elbow area. But again, like, like, like you said, predicting who goes where in the second round is not the easiest thing to do necessarily. So whether or not he's available remains to be seen, but that'd be a pretty good fit. Someone I like if uh, the Hornets don't get a backup a point another guard, or especially if they don't get a backup point guard like Devon Dotson, that I would be really intrigued by. Um, Marcus Howard. I like Marcus Howard. He's small, so I I like. He's I very small. Yeah, I basically group him and Miles Powell into like the same group because they're four year successful college point guards that just fill mm-hmm. it up and but I, I tend to lean towards miles powell a little bit because he's a little bigger and stronger and i think he he just might project as like a better overall scorer in the nba because mm-hmm. mostly of his size and strength but I, I definitely don't think marcus howard will be like a bad player in the nba i think someone will scoop him up in the second round and he'll end up playing like decent minutes next year yeah and i mean i could like I, this is not. I'm not going to predict like for project like oh Marcus Howard because because it, it's the same thing I talk, kind of talked about Obi Toppin. Just because he fills it up in college doesn't mean he could fill it up in the NBA, especially because he's somewhat one dimensional with his scoring. Like the way he scores inside the arc in college probably won't work nearly as well as it does or when he gets to the NBA. He's kind of a lot of floaters and his size will really work against him. But he's such a good like off the dribble, off the catch contested with like unlimited range like i it's really you could see a role for him in the nba just coming off the bench and filling it up yeah absolutely he not not necessarily reminds me of like carson edwards from the nba but carson edwards coming out of college i think yeah. is who marcus edwards or marcus howard reminds me a lot of just like he you could definitely see him being a guy that comes in and plays limited minutes but puts up good a good amount of points in those minutes and shoots like a good percentage from three and it's, he's definitely could be a specialist role mm-hmm. in the NBA, but you need specialists. So, yeah, I could, I could really imagine a world where Marcus Howard gets drafted and he doesn't play like all season because he can't guard anybody and he's kind of a one trick pony. But then you know there's some injuries and he gets some minutes and he just comes in and hits like seven straight threes. It's like Dwayne Dwayne Bacon, the last half of 2018. <laughs> he's he, the second coming. He, he, but, <laughs> I but, you know, I think like that. I think Carson Edwards did. It. I think Carson Edwards did it in a preseason game this year, where he hit like eight three pointers yes. in a quarter. I was at that game. And, it was against the Hornets. Yeah, yeah. So and everybody's just like, and then he just kind of disappeared. And I could see that kind of happening with Marcus Howard. But Carson Edwards is in the NBA, so um, it's a possibility. Thinking about the mindset of the management of the team, do you think they come out of this draft, no matter what they do? looking to win more games in the next season or are they looking to get a good draft position for arguably I mean not arguably a better draft pick you know next year I don't see how you can look at these picks as as anything but either trying to find a diamond in the rough or trying to find those pieces that you could put together for a better trade to get a better draft position going forward right yeah, I feel like this draft is trying to find like complementary pieces, and I don't think it's gonna make too much of like any change in wins and losses next year. I think 
the development of next year will kind of be offset by the team not getting so lucky so often as they did this year, and we'll probably have a pretty similar win-loss record next year. And any improvements will come from internal development, not necessarily from someone we add in this draft. Because I don't think anybody's going to come in right away and make a big difference in wins and losses. Yeah, I could definitely see like players' individual stats improving next year, but them also still winning like the same amount of games because, like you said, just not winning every single close game that they get into. <laughs> and but not playing I, every team with half their best players out injured. Yeah, I, I mentioned that a couple of times, like while I was writing previews and stuff this year. But it was like I would love to for there to be able to like someone to be able to vent in some sort of stat for like injury luck because the Hornets definitely led the league in injury luck for opposing teams this year. Yeah, they have the stats for like how many games teams lose from their own injuries, but somebody needs to make a stat for how many games teams' opponents lose against them. Yeah. Like, you know, playing the Pacers without Turner and Sabonis or playing the Heat without Jimmy Butler and playing the Rockets without Russell Westbrook. I could pretty much name almost every opponent this year. Yeah, I think and they played the Wolves without Carl Towns. Yeah, all that stuff. So one last thing to kind of really drive home the point about uh, how frustrating this draft is. Um, Chase, do you use Tankathon at all? Yeah, I mean, I I like look at the draft order and stuff like that, but I don't take their mock drafts that much into. I don't take no, their word for good, it necessarily. Yeah, so I used it a lot as a reference because it's a good reference for because they kind of have. I like the way they're organized and yeah. they have good snapshots. Of, they have good snapshots of players with their like statistical profiles and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to talk about. Pretty much every player you click on is just got red minuses everywhere. There's like yeah. nobody that's I'm, just like oh, look I'm that. looking at look the website green. right now, and all pretty much all of them have like at least a couple on there, like little it, per thirty six yeah. minute stat thing. Yeah, like James Wiseman's like all green, but he played like nobody good. Other than that, though, it's just like like box plus minuses and shooting percentages and offensive rating and all that stuff. It's just bad. Everybody's are bad. They need to like adjust it, like draft adjust it for like this draft class, just just to make the outlook a little more optimistic. Because right, because when you look at it right now, it's just like man, there's just nobody good here. Yeah, they don't they don't factor in a uh, like expectations <laughs> into this at all. No. I don't think. Like no, not rel- like relative to the rest of the draft class. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anybody else with any particular prospects you want to talk about? Zach, do you have any more questions? Because I think I'm all I'm fresh out of draft stuff for the time being. We'll have more I later. Do, I but. do have one question, and I would like both of you guys to answer. When do you think this draft will take place? What day and what month? Ooh. This is the kind exact of hard-hitting questions that I have. Um, I uh, probably, August. yeah, I was going to say August at some point. Maybe September, August like 13th. early September. August 13th? August 14th. That's where I'm going. <laughs> I picked it. Don't they news? I did a Thursday. I think they always do the draft on a Thursday, don't they? Oh, or I maybe think you're Tuesday. right. No, I think they do. No, I'm pretty sure it's Thursday. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna change my answer. I'm my pretty final sure it used to always be the last Thursday in June. Actually, now that I think about it, that's why I was gonna change my answer to the last Thursday in August, August 27th. We're just gonna push everything back to is that two months? We'll push the draft back. Two will months. There, Will there be an NBA champion? Yes. When they have yeah, all the NBA is gonna let this season go without there being a champion no there was some article that came out that was like the owners want to finish the season and like crown a champion in quotes no matter what so i don't know how they would do it 
or when, but I <laughs> imagine that they're going to try really, really hard to do it. I don't think they want to give up the think... playoff game revenue. No, and well, they might not get the playoff game revenue in terms of arena that's, tickets. I that's think a good point. Yeah. I think with the, what what I see from what I've read and what seems like they're trying to do or trying to work out is it like give this some time, give it a month or give another month or two, just kind of see where things are trending after a few more weeks, and then kind of do a modified version of what they're doing in China, where the teams are all tested and it's like it's everybody's everybody's good to go, you can play. And then, you know, before, so like there's nobody that's sick can play, obviously. And they're playing in practice facilities so that, you know, there's no other outside. And that's how they'll play. And they'll probably play like an abridged regular season. I mean, this is just my guess. Like they'll play like a few games to lead into the playoffs and then they'll just go into the playoffs, which they'll play in practice gyms, which I'm kind of excited, would be kind of excited if they played games in practice facilities. Those are always kind of fun. Like when they play the like when they play the summer league games in Orlando's practice facility, I like those. Yeah, those are definitely cool. It's like, uh, like I remember the Knicks did that game like a couple of years ago where they turned off all like in arena entertainment, and it was like they were like, "Oh, listen to the sounds of basketball." It wouldn't sound good in person, yeah. but I think over the TV, it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, you could kind of you can't really make out what they're saying, but you can hear players communicating and like the the sound of the ball bouncing and the shoes squeaking is kind of accentuated. Like I really like that kind of aura when I'm watching games on TV. Yeah, if only Melo was going to be in the playoffs. I also wish they would like <laughs> broadcast it on a channel where like you could hear them cuss at each other and that kind of stuff. Just give us like an all access. You could try different different camera angles, that kind of thing. That would be amazing. That'd be cool. I, I would like the uh, the uncensored like mic'd up version of NBA games. That'd be pretty. That would be must watch TV. That would be spectacular. I would pay a lot of money for that. Add that on the league pass. <laughs> they would definitely get a lot of money off of that. The, sure. the league pass, like league pass, hot mic games, like no no announcers, it's just players yelling at each other. Yeah, they pick like two guys each game to mic them up. <laughs> gonna, Bismack, gotta, catch the ball. <laughs> I even without the mics, I hear like at least one per game. I hear, "Come on, Biz," when when he <laughs> drops a pass. <laughs> and it's usually like it's not like harsh. It's kind of like a. I think that they all love Biz, but you know they we get frustrated. We want you to it's do like, better. We want you <laughs> yeah, to do like, better. Yes. Yeah. It's like we we love you, Biz. Just like please catch the ball. I'm sure they're used to it by now. I, I mean, if he like <laughs> he drops all these passes in games, like imagine how often he does it in practice too. So I'm sure that they've all <laughs> yeah. gotten past the point of anger or frustration, and they just laugh it off every time, which is good. I think. I mean, do you guys like? I know you do, Zach Chase. You play pickup basketball and stuff. Oh yeah, I play. I play as like as much as possible. Not as much anymore with the current yeah, situation. Well, but 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 you know when you go play with your friends and you have like your friend that's like your buddy, but he's not good at basketball and you know he's not good at basketball and he's trying his best. It's like oh come on man, you, like you could do better than that. Yeah, it's like that was a five step travel. But I mean, I know <laughs> you can't help it. I'm but... looking out for yeah, you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, you it's, you it's, pass it's, them the ball and even though they shouldn't <laughs> shoot the shot, you tell them to shoot anyway. Oh shoot, shoot, get it yeah. in there. And then they airball it, and you're just like, ah, you, you did your best. Like, I can't be mad. It's a good look. Yes, good look. I need to say that I've been invited to other people's pickup games, and I've been that friend, too. Like, <laughs> oh, man, yeah, well, you know, he's not as good as everybody else, but uh, he's out here trying. Getting his run in. <laughs> yeah, he's being be nice to Zach, guys. <laughs> all right. With that, thank you guys for listening. We will see you all whenever we have stuff to talk about. Peace out. See ya.